All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. All right, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, we are in a series, uh, and uh, if, again, if you're new with us, I'll catch you up, but uh, Galatians is a phenomenal book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, churches in Galatia. Now, Galatia is an area, it's a landmass, uh, so a lot of times when Paul writes like the book of Ephesians, that's written to a city called Ephesus and the churches in that city. Uh, Galatians is a little bit different, it's like Allegheny County, it's all those cities in Allegheny. Um, but in Galatia, it's in, it's in modern-day Turkey. It's kind of like south-central Turkey. And Paul's writing, there's four or five different cities there, Derby, Lystra, all these different cities that are in southern, uh, southern uh, Galatia that Paul's writing to. So he's, the gospel's expanding. Uh, Gentiles are coming to Christ. There's churches all over in all these different areas. And so a lot's happening. And, uh, and Paul is writing to these, uh, these churches in Galatia, but he's also responding to the Jews that are in Israel, the leadership uh, of the Jews. Uh, now, Paul's mission, if you remember, and again, I'm just catching you up if you're new, Paul's mission was to the Gentiles, uh, and uh, those would be nations outside of Israel. Uh, you know, that's not uh, God's definition of a Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile, but that's kind of how the Jews look at it. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. Um, God's definition is, uh, of Jewish and Gentile is really those that are following God, that's his family. That's Israel. Those are, those are, those are the people that, uh, those are God's children. Um, but just looking at it this way, so Paul's reaching the Gentile nations. He's reaching those nations that are outside of Israel. And Peter, James, and John, the apostles that were with Jesus, are reaching the Jewish uh, people. They're in, staying inside Israel, and they're reaching the, the Jews there. And so that's kind of, they both have missions. But uh, to catch you up, just because Galatians is written kind of in progressive, so I want to make sure you kind of understand what's happening in Galatians, so when we jump in today, you at least have an understanding. I, I do challenge you to read all six chapters. It would be a quick read, 20, 30 minutes, but, uh, but because it is progressive, you've got to kind of understand what's happening in this chapter, that chapter, because it's an ongoing conversation uh, between between Galatians and Paul and the Jews and Paul. But, uh, but there's tension, okay? So the church is expanding. It's going into all these Gentile nations. The church is expanding in Jerusalem too. Uh, so there's a lot of new believers. This is only 20 years after Christ uh, ascended into heaven. So it's, it's around 55 or so, or 55 or 56. And so, um, so a lot's happened in 20 years. And, and so uh, Paul is leading the charge in the Gentile nations. But there's some tension between Paul and his leadership, and the Jews and their leadership. And the tension really is two things. First of all, the gospel is being compromised. Uh, so Paul has been preaching the gospel to these Gentiles, and they've been receiving Christ by the thousands. All these new churches are being planted, but there's been these uh, spies, or there's been these, these Jewish leaders that are going in behind Paul and preaching a whole different message. So it's still... Uh, they're, not, they're not disagreeing that Gentiles can't receive Christ. In fact, they're okay that uh, you know, through grace and by faith they can receive Jesus. Uh, but they're beginning added to it. Not only do you need to receive Jesus by, uh, through grace and by faith, but you also need to accept the Jewish customs. You need to be circumcised, and there's all these other things that you need to do. So you're not fully saved until you do receive Christ and do these other things. And so they've kind of went around and went into these Gentile nations and, and really manipulated and, and really uh, put pressure on the Gentiles to do these things. And you're seeing that the Gentiles are starting to listen. 
And so just imagine that if you're a business owner, uh, just think about that. You know, you've done this hard work to, you know, get your mission and get your vision out in your, in your business. And maybe you've got multiple locations and, and you're really just driving forward uh, this, this vision of your business. And then you have somebody else coming in behind you and casting a different net or casting a different vision. How frustrating would that be that you'd spent all that time and energy? And this is what's happening with Paul. He's spent all this time and energy preaching the gospel, and Gentiles are coming to Christ, and then there's another person coming behind and changing the message, especially the gospel, the most important message, and they're, they're really changing. So that's the tension that Paul's having with the Jewish leadership, and he's also having the tension with the Galatians because they're believing it, okay? And so that's kind of what's happened. And then secondly, uh, Paul's the apostles of the Gentiles, and James, John, and Peter, and all those are the apostles to the, Jew, to the Jews and to Israel. And so the other tension is, is that uh, the Jewish leadership... They accept Paul's authority and they receive him as, a, as an apostle, but he's a little bit less than James and John and Peter. Uh, and so they kind of uh, say you're, you're a second, kind of a second-rate apostle. And so there's a little bit of tension there as well. And you see that in Paul's writings in Galatians, if you read it, if you want to go through it. You see him saying, look, I didn't receive my mission and vision from man. I received it from God. And so you know, say what you want. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. Uh, but here's what he's saying. Look, you can say what you want. I'm second rate or I'm second hand. Uh, look, I'm, I'm his apostle. He called me, and I'm going to continue on. It doesn't really matter what you say. So you see this, uh, this conflict or this tension between him and the leadership as well. So that's kind of where we are to catch you up. Today, we're going to talk about prisoner or free, all right? Um, and before I get into this, I thought uh, this would be fun. Uh, today, uh, we've got a big day. Uh, I, I coach basketball with Micah, and I shared this in first service. I figured I'd share it with you. It's pretty fun, but uh, Micah's in the playoffs, and he's doing, they won their first game, so they're in the semifinals today after service, so we've got to get there around three o'clock, and he's going to be playing in the semifinals, so we're excited for the team, uh, but they've been playing basketball like all weekend. This is their fourth game. They played two games yesterday, one game on Friday, and one game today. It's like we've been living, breathing basketball, so it's been fun, uh, but we, we want them to win, so pray for us to win. We want a big win. They're playing the undefeated freedom we want to put them in prison, all right? Their school may be freedom, but we want to put them in prison. But no, I'm just kidding. We just want to have a, they're, they're a good team. It's always a good game with them. So, uh, but we're praying that our team will, will win and come out victorious. Uh, but that's kind of been uh, a little bit of my uh, preaching calendar this week too. So it's been all in basketball and I, I think I've written four or five messages this week. So, um, so bear with me. I'm, I, it's like, I, I've got all these messages up here. It's like, scram, it's like scrambled eggs. If you like scrambled eggs, you're in for a good one. But, uh, but it's, when you're carrying all these different messages, they're all the same message, but there's a lot of things. But, but I'm really excited to share this one. It's a really great message. Um, we also had a great weekend celebrating a good friend of ours, David Taylor. As you guys know, you've been praying for him. And so uh, some of his family and friends are here. So thank you for coming. Uh, but we just uh, got to celebrate David. He's, he's, in G he's with Jesus, so he's in the best place. And so I'm a little jealous. He's, he's be in a better place than we are. But, uh, but I'm, I'm excited. He's, he's alive and thriving and celebrating with the Lord up there. Uh, but we got to share some good memories. And you're going to hear, actually, this message is pretty fun because it's, it's a lot of legal stuff. And, and David was a contractual lawyer. So you're going to see some, uh, some, some legal things that God does for us for us. And sometimes we don't realize how much God has done for us and the transaction that happened and those kind of things. So uh, today we're going to see that prisoner or free. First, we're going to talk about God's heart of faith. God's heart of faith, all right? Hasn't changed. God's heart on faith is the same as it was in Genesis as it was when Jesus uh, spread the gospel as well. And so uh, Galatians 3, 1 through 5, let's, let's go ahead and uh, read that first. It says, O foolish Galatians, 
Who has cast an evil spell on you? How many of you guys would like to hear that? That's Paul speaking to his, 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 uh, his Gentile believers. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And so Paul is saying, look, I don't understand why you're being intimidated and why you're receiving from these spies or these Jews. I don't understand why you're, you're changing the gospel. Look, I was there. I preached the gospel to you is what Paul's saying. You received the Holy Spirit. Was there anything you did? Was there anything you did to receive the salvation from Christ and receive the Holy Spirit? Certainly not. There wasn't any law you did. There wasn't any work you did. God freely gave it to you when you believed. But this message that the Jews is spreading is, yeah, you, you received it, but you also have to do these things to be fully saved. And Paul's saying, that's foolishness, guys. It's foolishness. And he has to go back and undo and unwind and rewire the gospel into these Galatians. And so that's, that's what's happening. But he's saying, guys, look, God's heart on faith has never changed. What these guys are telling you is a lie, and it will imprison you. And he begins to show them, look, let's, let's look at the Old Testament and New Testament. You know, this is what's amazing. This is, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear this. But Paul, uh, Paul really does this great job of symbolism. And I love to teach about symbolism, but it can go right over our heads sometimes. So it's going to be real simple, and it's going to be real understandable. But if you want to uh, meditate on it more or eat some more, you can do that when you get home because it's really deep too. But I just want to give you the 30,000-foot the overview of the symbolism. But Paul is saying, look, the Old Testament and the New Testament go together. They're not separate. A lot of us sometimes think, well, the Old Testament's dead. You know, that's... Look, there, there is a new covenant. Jesus came to give us a new covenant, and the new covenant is better than the old, but it doesn't mean that there's things in the old that don't apply. And it doesn't mean the law was bad. No, Paul actually says the law was good. And so he begins to help us understand, and he goes back and he shows you, and he shows me, and he shows the Galatians, look, let me show you. Let me show you that God's heart of faith is the same and it hasn't changed. And he goes in to show them about Abraham, who's the father of Faith. He's a, Hebrews 11, read it. He's the father of faith. So if you want to understand believing God through faith, let's look at the original. Let's look at the initial. Let's go back to the first. And that was Abraham. Verse 6 through 9 of the same chapter says this. In the same way, speaking about believing Christ through grace. Hold on. We can't worship with that. Take that. All right. <laughs> In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. Listen to that. Now, Israel hasn't been made yet. This is before Israel. Listen to what he says. The real children of Abraham, then, are those 
who put their faith in God. And then he defines it. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, listen to this, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Listen, Paul's going all the way back to the very first pages of your Bible, and he's saying, look, faith and God, and believing God through faith hasn't changed. In Abraham, it was the same. Now, I know many of you, when we, when we say Old Testament, you think about the laws, but this was pre-law. In fact, Paul says this is 430 years before the law. And he begins to show him, look, God's heart hasn't changed. It's the same. When God speaks to you, and when he speaks to me, and by the way, he is speaking to every single one of us. When he speaks to us, he expects us to receive it and by faith, listen to what he's saying and obey and take those steps. Now, not obey and you're thinking about it in the negative sense, but obeying is, is a blessing. It's a great thing. You have a God that loves you, that wants to protect you and bless you. Yes, you want to obey God because it is a blessing and it's the best thing for you. But if you have hurt and you're looking at his obedience as in the negative way, you have a hard time seeing obeying as a good thing. But you have a God who is tremendous to you. And that's what you're going to see today. Look, faith has not changed. God wants you to hear what he's saying to you, especially when it comes to the promises that God has for you. You have to receive them by faith. But here's the amazing thing. God never forgets. If God gives a promise to you, he never forgets. And I think you're going to walk out of this message at the end, blown away. God never forgot his promise to Abraham. It's still ongoing today. Abraham thought it was just for him, I would imagine. Or he never expected it to be this way. Look, God's promises are so much bigger than you and me. But it does impact you. It is a blessing to you and your family. But it goes beyond you and your family. And that's what he was speaking to Abraham. So God's heart and faith has never changed. Again, we're 430 years before the law. Let's go on. The law showed us that we are, a, we are sin's prisoner. So that's what the law did. The law showed us that we were sin's prisoner. Galatians 3, 19 through 25 uh, says this. Let's read it together. Let me get there. I'm reading out a different translation. That's why I'm not reading straight out of my Bible. So here we go. Why then was the law given? You, you ever ask that question? Why then was the law given? Here we go. Here's the answer. It was given alongside the promise. So the promise was given to Abraham to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Remember that, that God promised Abraham a seed, singular. The Messiah would come through Abraham's family. God gave his law through the angel to Moses, who was a mediator between God and people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. If there's a, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Listen to this. Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Christ Jesus. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard by law. 
We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. I love how Paul does this. Let me put it another way, Galatians. Let me put it another way, Westridge. I just want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no no longer need the law as our guardian. And I love how Paul puts this. Again, symbolism. All right? The law, look at it as the law being your guardian. So for many of you that are parents, you have kids that are under 18. You're their legal guardian, right? So which means they can't make decisions, certain decisions, because they're not of age or they, they need a parent or a guardian to make those decisions for them. Is that a good thing? Yes. Why? When they're asking you as a legal guardian to sign off on something, it's your job as a parent to read what they're asking, right? To make sure because you want to protect and guard your child. Now, it may be a fine thing and you sign off and say, absolutely, they can, they can play in the tournament or they can, they can do this or do that. But what, what would happen if they were sending something home to you or they're calling you or they're asking you as a guardian and it was going to harm your child? What would you do? Well, I hope you would say no, right? As a parent, you, our, our job as guardians is to protect our child. That was the law. The law was our guardian. Was the law bad? No, the law was God's heart. God's intentions have always been to protect your children, to protect his children, to protect you. The law was your guardian. It was there to help. It was there to provide. It was there to protect. But the law also showed you that we're sinners, that we're imprisoned to sin, didn't it? Because it showed you God's heart, and it showed you as a child disobeying your guardian. Going away from your guardian. I always like to talk about it as like, it's like an umbrella. Like As long as you're under the guardian, as long as you're under the umbrella, you're protected. But as soon as you go out from underneath the guardian, you're getting pelted by hail and rain and wind and elements. Listen, God's heart and God's desire for all of you is good. To bless you, to protect you. The law is a good thing. It's there, it was there to help you. It was there to protect you. It was there to provide for you. And it doesn't matter, and maybe you struggle with that. Well, there's so many laws, there's like 600. Well, no, no, let's go way back before the law. Way back before the law. Do you remember that, Adam and Eve? There was only one. One. And I don't care if your name was Adam and your name was Eve, you would have done it too. One. So whether it's one or 600, it doesn't matter. The law just showed us how much we have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us are in the same boat. We all need a Savior. And the law was our guardian until it came time, until we came of age, or until we come to a place where Christ came and died for us and freed us. Freed us. We were once imprisoned, realizing that we were wrapped in our sin. There was nothing we could do about it. Right? Jesus, he said this, right? I'd rather you obey than sacrifice. He was speaking about all the animals. I would rather you obey than have all these sacrificial, because the sacrifice just showed I messed up. I sinned. We were imprisoned to that lifestyle, and Jesus was saying, look, I've come to set you free. I've come to set you free. 
So I thought that was a beautiful picture of, of kind of a guardian. The law, the law, the, is there a conflict between the promises and the law? Absolutely not. Listen, the promise to Abraham was this, that he would send a seed and he would send a, mile, a Messiah and he would come through the lineage of Abraham. And when that seed came, he would come to save and set free. And that was Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. He was the seed that came through Abraham, through his kids. Now, did Abraham know that initially? Maybe he knew the Messiah would come, but he had no idea. This was, Abraham passed and perished. He, well, he's alive in heaven, but he wasn't here on earth anymore. But here, the promise of, of God, spoken thousands of years ago, God has been faithful. He didn't forget. He didn't deviate. He didn't look at, and Abraham was like us. He messed up too. He didn't look at Abraham, up, oh, size out now. Taking that away. That promise is gone now. God has been faithful to reveal his promises to him. So the law was given to us to reveal, to reveal our sin. Listen to this. I wanted to show you, show you this verse, and somehow I missed it, but verses six through nine of Galatians 3 says this, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted for him as righteousness because of faith. The real children of Abraham were those who put their faith in God. So let me ask you a question. So he was speaking to Galatians. He said, look, guys, the same way that you believe Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit is the same way that Abraham did way back years ago. And look at what he said. He didn't say you had to follow all these. He said, God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness because of his faith. So let me ask you a question. When was it counted as righteousness? When? When he believed, right? This is where uh, maybe if David was here, he'd correct my legal documents or legal understanding, but it was accounted to them as righteousness. So here's what happens for you and for me. When Jesus came, we were all prisoners to the law. Our guardian was showing us, look, we, we have sinned. And there, the promised seed of Abraham, which was spoken way to Abraham, the promise of Abraham, Christ the Messiah came. And he was sacrificed on our behalf. Like we just said in communion, look, it wasn't fair that Jesus died in our place. He did nothing wrong. He was perfect. He never sinned. But he stood before the judge and said, I'm going to die for John. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to die for you. All of those mistakes and all those sins, I'm going to pay the price. So now when the judge, the ultimate judge, God the Father, looks at Jesus, when he looks in Jesus' account, when you believe in Jesus, here's what happens. There's a transfer. There's your account and there's his account. And before Christ, you had a lot in your account. You had sin. We had lying. We had deceiving. We had murdering. We had adultery. We had all these different things. And look, I don't know your story, but there's a lot of categories that are in all of our accounts, isn't there? We've all fallen short, so I don't care what it is. And it doesn't matter if you look at, well, that one's greater than that one. That one's greater than that one. And look, I'm, I'm holier than them because I don't, I don't have that sin. Look, the reality is Jesus paid for the small, the big, and the, and the middle. Regardless of how you put them in your flow chart, it's all sin. And Jesus paid the price happily for you and for me. 
And when he did that, when he paid the price and he said, Judge, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll take the consequence. And the consequence was his life for yours. Because that was, that was our consequence. We shouldn't have eternal life. We shouldn't have life with the Father. We shouldn't have heaven. But because of Christ, our accounts changed. And Christ's account is righteousness, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness, right? What is his righteousness? It's love, right? We're going to, read the, we're going to learn about this in a couple of weeks. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That's what's in his account. Grace and mercy and salvation, joy. That's what's in his account. That's the righteousness of God. And when he said, look, I'll pay the price, here's what happens. He transferred righteousness into your account, and he transferred sin into his account. Look, in financial terms, that's an amazing deal, isn't it? You just took the inheritance of heaven and put it in your account. It'd be like taking millions of dollars and put it in your account and taking your broke account and put it in Jesus. You were bankrupt, and he took your bankruptcy. Look, we were bankrupt, not just financially, eternally. We were bankrupt, and Jesus said, I'll take it. So now when the Father looks at you, what does he see? Look, I don't care what your head says. I don't care what the enemy says about you. Here's what he says. I see love. I see kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, grace, mercy, I see, self, I see the seal of the Holy Spirit on that person. That's what he sees. And then he looked at his son. Now you understand where Jesus said, God, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because your account. Because you, he became us. He died in our place. Look, when you believed... The moment you believed God, that transfer happened. And here's the amazing thing. It's progressive as well. It doesn't mean that you go sin and be ignorant and dishonor and be disrespectful to Jesus. But you know what? We're going to make mistakes along the way. That sacrifice paid it once and for all. Yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's mistakes that you make, the sacrifice paid. There's, there's not a... Uh, I couldn't give you a legal term for that and anything that we have today. That's what Jesus did for you. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? Legally, you are free. But yet the Galatians are saying, God, I received your salvation, but I want to go back. I want to go back to prison. And Paul is saying, that is so foolish. What are you doing? You know, there's, there's a story, in, uh, or there's a, there's a kind of an understanding of this early on in the Scriptures when Moses freed them from Egypt. Do you remember that? If you're new to the Bible, I'll just give you a quick recap. I don't have time to read it all. But Moses freed them from Egypt, right? They ran for the hills. There's a whole bunch of plagues. They ran for the God said, let my people go. And finally, he didn't really let them go, they, they, but Jesus freed them. They ran, they ran to this river, and they couldn't cross the river. It was too big of a span, so they got stuck on, the, on really the, just this, the bank of the river. And then what was behind them was the, the army of Egypt coming after them. So we have all of Israel sitting, or uh, all of God's people sitting here, 
at the bank of the river, trapped. And here's what the, here's what the Jews said. God, why have you brought us here? So we can die? Sure, I understand. Like some of you are half, half full and half empty, right? And that's, some of the Jews were like, God, you sent us here to die? Why would you do that? But they didn't know what God was about to do. And God told Abraham to put his staff in the water. And if you know anything about the story, what happened? He put the staff in the water. Did the staff split the water? You try it. See what happens. No, the staff didn't split the water. Jesus split the water for him. And the water separated. There was two walls of water. And this happened more than once, by the way. Joshua did this as well. The waters were standing like a wall. And the very ground that the water covered was dry. Now, it had been underneath the water for however long, but miraculously, it was dry. Have you ever walked, like, have you ever had a creek go dry and walk in it? It's hard to get out, isn't it? It's mucky, it's swampy. Miraculously, God dried up the ground, and Israel walked through, and then Egypt came charging into that same dry ground, and what happened? There was a fight, and they pulled out guns, and they were shooting. No. God closed up the water and swallowed up the Egyptian armies. Not one punch, nothing. God fought for them. And Israel ran across and they looked back and they saw the water collapse on them. And they made an altar to remember what God had done. On the, bank, on the other side of the bank, they made an altar there so they would remember. And the promise was, I'm going to give you a land full of milk and honey, a promised land. And that's where they were going. But along the journey, they had no food, right? They, were, they ran. They split. They had nothing. And God knew that. So along the way, God miraculously threw bread or manna from heaven every single day. Except for the last day on the Sabbath. He would send enough the day before for the Sabbath so they didn't have to collect on the Sabbath. But miraculously, God provided their food needs, their, their rations, their provisions. He provided a land there. He provided salvation from the Egyptians. He provided all those things. And I get it. Like, if you're eating the same food every day, it gets a little monotonous. And it was exciting the first day and probably tasted great and sweet the first day. But after a long time, it gets a little bit monotonous, right? And so they started complaining. They started complaining. And here's what they said. And this is, this is what the Galatians were saying. And here's what Egypt was saying. God, I'd rather be back in Egypt in prison. At least I got a good hamburger there. I know it wasn't a hamburger, I'm just saying. The food was better over there. Are we really that shallow? That God just saved us from the Egyptian army? He just feeds us every day miraculously? And we sit there and say, God, I'd rather be in prison? And this is what Paul's saying, Galatians, what are you doing? This is so foolish. God saved you. You saw the miracle. Did you do anything to get the miracle? Did you do anything to receive Christ? Did you do anything to receive the Holy Spirit? Then why would you go back to prison? Why would you yoke yourself back to prison? Why? Because some people with titles came and pressured you? Because some Jews came and manipulated you? Stop it. Stop it. This is what's happening. And you know what? In our culture, it's still happening today. 
Maybe it's not in that way, but you know what? We're being pressured with all kinds of false gospels. I shared that a couple weeks ago, but look, you can do as many good works as you want. They don't lead to heaven. If that was the case, then we could have followed the law and received salvation, but we couldn't. It is not true that all ways lead to heaven. It is not true that we can just be good people and we'll make it to heaven. It's not true. Jesus never said it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, that's pretty clear, comes to the Father except through me, Christ. And so look, people are going to pressure you and say whatever and call God whatever and call you whatever. You stand. You stand for Christ. And you stand and understand. Look, it's not that God doesn't love them. Of course he loves them. It's just like you. Some people have a hard heart towards God. And we all did at one time. We were all under a guardian that we didn't want to follow. But one day we met the Messiah and realized what a blessing he is. And we realized that he paid a price that he shouldn't have had to pay, but he did it because he loves you. And he died for the whole world, by the way. Even those that are saying they don't like him. And then Paul said, let me talk to you about how we need to be free and united with Christ. Let's not go back to being a prisoner. Let's talk about our freedom. And I love this. And I really just want you to, look, I know he's writing the Galatians, but I want you to see that Paul's writing this for you and for me. And this is kind of the heartbeat of Galatians. I shared this every week in Galatians 3, 26 through 29. But it says this, this is the heartbeat. So listen to it, and then I just want to unpack it. But I, I don't believe many of you in this room believe what it's saying. But part of your freedom is this understanding and receiving from the Lord. It says this, for you are all sons of God through Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, I purposely read this out of New King James because I wanted you to see how much it says about you. Look, you can read any translation, but what I don't want you to miss is how much God has given you or the legal transaction that's happened. God has adopted you. He's adopted you. Not only was that sacrifice and resurrection from the dead and the ascension of the Father, yes, that is our foundation, and we we must believe that to be true. We must believe that that is our Messiah. We must believe that is the Jesus that we will worship and follow for all of our days. But you also must understand that when he made that transfer, righteousness for sin, he also transferred this inheritance into your account that you need to understand. You know, what's crazy about inheritance in our day, because when someone passes, they leave an inheritance, and if you're a child, can you receive it? Yeah, you can, legally it's yours, but there's an age when you can collect. And you have to wait until that moment. Look, your whole life, you've always been God's. He made you, he created you, he put you on this earth, he knew your name, he's yours. And legally there's an inheritance for you that's waiting, but it only comes through faith in Christ. And when you meet Jesus... That's when the inheritance is available to you. That's when every resource of heaven is available to you. And look at what this verse says. Look, don't don't miss it. There's an adoption that happens. 
between you and God. You're now his children. You have a new identity, a new creation, a new focus. You're not united. You're one in Christ. Look, you're no longer Jew or Gentile, male, female, slave. Not, all that's gone. We're one in Christ. You're not replacing Israel. You're now part of this great plan that God said that to Abraham. Look, my children are people that believe and follow me. Those are my kids. You're now grafted into this beautiful family that started with Abraham years ago. We're united. We're one in Christ. We're one family. We're heirs. We're heirs. Do you realize that when you give your life to Jesus and you believe him and you follow him, you're an heir of Christ? You're, he's the king. You're part of the royal family. You're an heir of Christ. You're a son and daughter of God. You're legally, legally, legally part of Abraham's family. Do you understand that's who you are? You can't change it. You're part of Abraham's family, which also means what Paul says, that you're also open and available, and every promise given to Abraham, every inheritance given to Abraham is now yours. Do you know what the promise of Abraham is? I bet you don't. I bet you don't. Listen to me. It would be like as Christ followers. Jesus Christ has given us an inheritance, but we don't want to know what it is. If you were given an inheritance physically on earth, personally, from your family, I bet you know what it is, don't you? But as believers, we don't understand what God has done for us. And now you wonder why you struggle with insecurity. And I struggle with insecurity. Now you wonder why the Gentiles are easily, or the Galatians are easily thrown off. A little deception, a little bit of this gospel, a little bit of that gospel. They're a mess. We're a mess sometimes. Look, today I, I want to speak the promise of God over you. And this isn't something I'm making up. This was spoken to Abraham and it's spoken to you. Because Jesus is the one that said it. It was Jesus is the one that fulfilled these promises. It was him. And Paul says it this way. And if you are Christ, if you are Christ... Here's the legal transaction. If you are Christ, are you Christ? That's a good question. If you're here today and you haven't received Christ, this doesn't apply to you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Oh, he wants you to receive this. And so today the question is, have you received Jesus? If not, look, all you have to do, there's no works. There's nothing you have to do except for acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave and he's at the right hand of the Father and he is the Lord, not me, not you, not anyone else, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And the only thing we have to do is follow him. We are followers of Christ, which means he's the Lord. We follow the Lord. We love his scripture. We love his word. But when you do that, now you're an heir of Christ. Now you're a child of God. You're part of his family. And something new begins to happen in you. Something new. And this morning, hey, by the way, I turned your amp off. Sure. All right, good. <laughs> and I just want you to hear this promise, but maybe you've never recognized or realized the inheritance that God is giving you. Look, we're all part of this greater nation. 
this nation that Jesus called Israel a long time ago. You know, you know where you're going to spend all of your eternity? It's in a place called the New Jerusalem. It's not New Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh, but it's not New Pittsburgh. It's New Jerusalem. Why? Because God promised a long time ago that his children would be people that believed in him. And those that believed would receive his righteousness and would spend eternity with him. And that's his family. Those are his kids. And by the way, God made every person on this earth. That same offer is available to every human being on the planet. All you have to do is believe that Jesus says who he says he is and you're making him Lord of your life. And these promises, this covenant that God has given to Abraham is applicable to you. And I'm telling you, it's going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away. Stand to your feet. I just want to read it over you. It's found in Genesis 12. And it's verse 2. Now it's repeated multiple times because God reminded Jacob, Isaac, he reminded all of them many times of this promise. And he's reminding you of the same promise because we're now seeds of Abraham. We're now part of the family. Before we do, can I just pray? Let's open our hearts. Holy Spirit, teach us right now. Lead us into all truth. And God, this is the truth. That because of Christ, we're now adopted. We're now your children. We're now your sons, your daughters, your heirs. We're now part of Abraham's seed. God, we take no credit for it. The only glory we give is to you. But by your grace and through faith, we just say thank you and we love you. And Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, just close your eyes for a second and just listen. I know you got stuff to do. There's things to go to. You got stuff to do today. Look, let all that go for a second. Just listen to what God is saying to you, all right? Every eye closed, just listen. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families, all the families on the earth will be blessed. Stay there with me. I'm going to read it again. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And make you, or I, I, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families on the earth will be blessed. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families on the earth will be blessed. Every eye closed. I will make you a great nation. Here's what I'm speaking over you, and here's what God is saying. It starts with you. It starts with you. When you believe God, he does something in you. And here's what I'm believing and prophesying over every single one of you. You and your family and your kids 
and your grandkids and your neighbors and your coworkers. You are going to be a great nation. Many will follow Christ because of you. Do you think Abraham realized that you right now would be part of his family? Absolutely not. That's how good the promises of God are. You don't understand what God is doing. He's doing something great in you. He's going to make your name great. Not for your ego, not for your pride. He's going to make your name great because he's great. And we serve a great God. And he deserves the glory. And we're going to have a great nation that worships Jesus, that worships the Lord. And we're going to tell all people and all nations about our great God. And we're going to make his name great. And while we're doing that, he's going to bless us. He's going to bless us not just in finances. All of us think it's just financially. No, he's going to bless you with grace and mercy and kindness and goodness and joy and love. So when everybody looks at you, they can't explain what it is, but we can explain what it is. That's my God. I'm becoming more like him day by day. I'm receiving the promises of God. His name is great and he's blessing me. And watch this. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll bless those who bless you. Look, this isn't about you and me. This is about a God that loves humanity. And he's going to use every single one of you. He's going to bless you, and you're going to bless somebody else. And those that are standing with you, oh, it's going to be a fun ride to be part of the kingdom of God. It's going to be an eternal ride in the kingdom of God. But while you're on earth, he is going to bless you, and you are going to be a blessing, which means you're going to receive from God, and you're going to give it to somebody else. God is going to bless you, and you're going to bless them. You receive salvation, you can give salvation. You can receive love, you can give love. You can receive joy, you can give joy. Isn't this getting fun? That's who your God is. And watch this, I will curse those who curse you. Look, this isn't a negative thing. Those that don't love God will go against you. They're like Ishmael. They do, will not receive the promise. They will stand against God. And we have a God that says, don't worry, you don't have to fight, I'll fight for you. I will curse them who curse you, which means I'll collapse the waters. You keep focused on me. You don't have to worry about the enemy. You have all authority over the enemy. Remember, you've received the whole inheritance of God. This, the serpent is under whose feet? His feet. And he gives that authority to the church. He gives it to you as children of God, as part of his family, Abraham's seed. Only the church has that kind of authority. I will curse those that curse you. And it doesn't stop there. And in you, all the families on the earth, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. That is the promise of Abraham. And that is the promise that's open to you. Let me read it one more time, and then I'm going to dismiss you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, insert your name, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that you never forget. I'm sure you and Abraham are sitting in heaven, and Abraham's saying, you're the man, Jesus, you're the man. Look at all my family. Look at them all. Jesus, thank you that you're always faithful. Thank you that your ways are always good. Your principles are always a blessing. God, and you said it, John 10, you came to give us abundant life, a life that is so full, so amazing, 
Lord, the world can't have what we have in this room when we follow Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for you. And Jesus, if there's anybody here, Lord, and look, we're at all different places, I know. But Holy Spirit, we're asking for your help. You're our helper. The new covenant was that you sent us a helper. And Jesus, thank you for doing that. Because we always need help. Without you, we never chose you. But because of you loved us first, you came and sacrificed yourself for us. But now we have the best helper in, all, in this planet and outside this planet. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And so, Lord, if there's anybody here that's hurting, it's broken, if there's anybody here that needs to hear your voice, if there's anybody here that needs salvation, we turn to you. We open our hearts to you. Lord, if there's anybody here that, God, they're following you, they love you, but they just want to go back to prison, oh, God, free them. Oh, God, free them. Show them the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Jesus, we open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, we give you. Holy Spirit, you're the Lord, so please... If there's anybody that doesn't believe that, the Holy Spirit is God. And he's the Lord of your life, and he's here to help you. And we just thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Listen, we want to pray for you. I'm going to dismiss you, and the team's going to stay here. If you want to stay and worship for a second or just be alone with God, that's totally fine. So that's up to you. But we'll stay here as long as you need us, okay? We'll be right here. I'll have altar teams, so altar teams come on forward. They want to pray for you. They want to stand with you. Lord, there's many, many times God uses people to give encouragement, to give words of encouragement, to give words of life, to give healing. So look, let's all, I love prayer. This is what prayer is all about. This is why we're here together. So if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. Uh, look, if you're, if you're good and you're received and you're ready to go, look, I understand that too. You're dismissed. You can head out to the lobby, but please head out to the lobby if you, if you, not going to remain here because people are going to be praying and, and seeking God. So respectfully head out to the lobby. You can pick up your kids. But if you need anything, remain. Remain in God's presence. Come for prayer. We love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.